Welcome to another podcast with a water with you obviously know me I'm your personal water sommelier Martin Reese and today who's that stranger right next to me this is Stefan Euling he's a certified wine sommelier and because we have an incredible cool water selection today with us we thought we needed a little bit more professionalism here it's not just about water today today it's actually about wine as well it's 10 a.m. in the morning here in Los Angeles And I'm very excited when I already see this incredible, amazing wine right surrounding me. So hopefully this will be not a video where you see me in the beginning like this and then in the end like that. So we'll see what's happening. But <laughs> first of all, hello, Stefan. Hi, Martin. Who are you? Everything's great? Everything is great. Yes. Um, I'm glad to be on the podcast on the water bit. And I'm very excited to taste some great wines, especially with the waters. So looking forward. So tell me a little bit, Stefan. We know each other, obviously, since many, many years. That's the reason we're so close sitting right next to each other. Stefan actually worked with me at the restaurant first floor at the Hotel Palace in Berlin for many, many years ago. When was that? Do you know? Probably 10 years ago. 12 years ago? 12 years ago. So when I started my first water menus at the Hotel Palace in Berlin, and this was around 2005, 2006, Stefan came on board as well, and he helped me to develop actually the water menu. But Stefan, you're a certified wine sommelier. So what does that mean? Right. So wine sommelier, um, there are water sommeliers and wine sommeliers, and with wine sommeliers, you get a little bit more fun after the tasting. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> What is that supposed to mean here? <laughs> no, um, I love wine. I grew up in the South uh, German part, uh, close to Stuttgart, and, um, you know, surrounded by wine everywhere. Uh, my apprenticeship in Stuttgart. So wine was always a big part of my career, basically, for the past 20 years. And, um, yeah, wine is passion. And when you make your passion become your job it's even better so i like that the same with me like i started with water i'm still with water i don't know what happened in my life but obviously stefan did both he did wine and water and that's the reason he's part of our podcast but obviously we having our co-host michael musher as well with us in texas where he always is and i told in the last podcast i almost said like what's wrong with you michael why you don't want to come to beautiful los angeles but let's face it right now i was driving actually to pasadena where we're sitting with stefan in this incredible wine cellar it's very smoky outside so i think you're actually better off michael right now in texas hello to texas Hello, Martin. Hello, Stefan. It's uh, fun to be here. I'm, I'm alone here with my waters. <laughs> But it's, it's also really interesting with this podcast. So we're talking about wine. And the first observation is usually it's Martin, myself, and the, wine pro the water producers we're visiting. And now we're dealing with wine and we have 66% more people on our podcast. So it seems like the water is getting pop, the wine is getting popular, and we have more and more people engaging. So That's a good thing. The other thing I want to mention is most people know that I was also very much into wine, had to stop drinking wine 18 years ago for health reasons and focused on the other bottle on the table, which was the water and discovered water. And this is where we end up 18 years later with having fine waters and all the beautiful things we're doing with the water. And it's kind of an interesting time right now because fairly recently I had a, a heart procedure And I had some results and they were very positive. And last week, my cardiologist told me 
that I can have now two glasses of wine per week, which is a big change to having no wines at all. Nice. But together with Erica, we, we made the decision that I'm not going to do the wine because for me, it's very, I'm very passionate and two glasses a week will probably not cut it and it becomes a slippery slope and we end up where we were before. So I will not do the wine. Just want to make the announcement here. I will stay with water, but I will be very interested in seeing how you're matching the, the waters and the wine. And for that reason, we're going to Stockholm now where we have Jeanette and Petra. They're the founder and developer and owner of Minvino, a very interesting brand that tries to solve that problem of what water are you drinking with, with your wine? And it cannot only be still in sparkling. There are many more choices, as we will learn. And uh, I want to say very welcome, uh, Jeanette and Petra in Stockholm. Hello. Hello. Thank you, Michael. And hi, Martin. And hi, Stefan. Uh, we're so happy to be here. Yes. Yeah. I'm Petra, and this is Janet. Exactly. Yes. And we, we long time now see you were here in Stockholm two years ago. Almost one and a half, yes. Uh, sad you couldn't make it then, Martin, but it was very interesting to have all the fine waters here in Stockholm. And I think that was uh, an eye-opener for us as well. Yes. Yeah, I was very jealous, I have to say. Like when I heard like we're doing the fine water tasting competition in Stockholm, I wanted to go to Sweden right away, but I literally just started my new position at Petit and Mitage Hotel at that time. And I had to focus obviously at the hotel where, where I needed to work. So I think that was a clear decision and I was very, very saddened because I saw the amazing pictures, the amazing events you did over there in Stockholm, and obviously the amazing water you crafted and created for us. So let's dive deep right away, Ponentine it obviously into this whole thing, because uh, let me ask you this right away. So what are you doing? So what is the concept of your water brand Minvino? And I think that's very interesting because not everybody knows, obviously, you guys. And you're doing something very, very special. It's very unusual. So what is the concept? When did you start it, that idea even, what you're trying to do right now? Oh, uh, the concept is this is the world's first collection of water designed to harmonize with different styles of wine. And we came up with the idea, um, I think it's eight years ago. Yes. Yes. Uh, we read an article about water and how it affected wine here in Sweden. It was a Swedish sommelier, Susanne Berglund-Kranz. She wrote an article and she described how the water interact with the wine and how it could like open, uh, how it could enhance the wine, but also how it can destroy a wine. And we thought that was really interesting because we both enjoyed drinking good wine and eating good food. Yes, and, the, and but that was just an idea which yeah. was very interesting. And then it took a couple of years, you know, we tried wine and then we realized, we tried wine and water, and we realized that Swedish tap water, that is very low minerality, just erased or, or, or cleansed the palate very well. And then you met um, Andreas. Yeah, and I met Andreas Larsson, and he, is the, he was the first Swede to win the World Championship in Sommerie. 2007 and uh, I had a pleasure to meet him during a dinner and then I asked him Andreas what do you think do you think water really affect the taste of the wine and do you think different water to your wine and he was like yes of course Fonette I love to I love water and of course I drink different kind of water to my wine because the water really affect the taste of the wine and back in the days he was sponsored by Aquapanna and San Pellegrino 
when he won the world championship and he had arranged a lot of water wine tastings uh, during that years for uh, Apapana and San Pellegrino and he said I think it's a great idea because they're not just two waters that match all the categories of wine of course uh, you have a wider range of wine so I think you need more water mm. with different styles of minerality mm. so uh, yeah so that's how it started yes. and then I called Petra and I said we have to start a company we have to do something uh, to create Mivino. And, and our first idea was to find four different sources with the right minerality. But we realized quickly it's, it was too complex. And in Sweden, the most sources has a minerality between 50 and 70 yes. uh, in TDS. So uh, it wouldn't be possible. Uh, and then when it comes to the production line, it's also pretty complex. Everyone in the water business know how yeah. difficult it is. Uh, so we're like, how can we do, how should we do this? And then we find a, a perfect, uh, we actually met two really good uh, ladies, Suzanne and Solveig again, and they helped us to do all the tastings to find the perfect water to the wine. And by then we also have met uh, this Swedish spring source that we can have as base. Because for us, it's very important to have a spring source as base. And then we just uh, add minerals, different kinds of minerals well, to enhance <laughs> the water. So we just adjust the mineral profile of the water, as to say, to match perfectly. Just as uh, winemakers, because as water makers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's the, it's the story in short. And after that, we, uh, we had a lot of tastings. tastings. We tried a lot of waters. Uh, uh, we tried a lot of different mineral compositions. Uh, we invited a lot of uh, sommeliers from uh, Sweden. And during this time, it was also very important because we realized when we were talking to sommeliers, wine sommeliers, it's also very important to have the knowledge not only of wine, water, but also of wine. So uh, Jeanette is also a wine sommelier and a water sommelier. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so we started developing the recipes and it took us almost three years because we wanted to taste uh, try it on so many people as possible, not just sommeliers, but also wine lovers, uh, to see that they fought the same as us and if we had to adjust something and uh, to get the perfect match. Uh, and then, yeah, that's how we started. Yes. Now <laughs> we have the final collection. Uh, so we have four different waters. I can present them really fast. We have Mimbino number one. It's a still water with low minerality. Uh, it matches white, crispy white wines with high acidity, or vintage wine or champagne, like the Riesling that you have uh, on the side there. And I have and to say, like, I'm so sorry to, to break you. Obviously, Stefan, as a wine sommelier, right away, like you said, oh, we have Mimbino <laughs> number one, and Stefan already like, let's open this. Let's go. Let's 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 go. Let's go. Huh? Like we don't we don't have enough time here obviously to start to drink. Now it's ten uh, fifteen. So yeah. we already like we are into this whole thing already. One question what interests me right away because you have number one, number two, number three, and number four. And I see there are different color schemes on it. What yeah. I really appreciate about like from light summer of Lord's Rieslings to more like stronger grapes. I think this was the idea of the color scheme. Yeah. yeah. Um, the TDS levels and what interests me like number one, number two, number three, number four, just like in the beginning right away, what are we talking about the different um, TDS levels of these waters? 
Yeah, it's it's almost around uh, 100, uh, the Minvino number one. Yeah. And Minvino number two is a bit higher. Uh, and Minvino number three has more uh, sodium in it. And Minvino number four is the a medium level, just around 400 TDS. Okay. But we, we usually don't talk about TDS so much because we don't think it's, it's we more talk about minerality and styles. Is this is if it's calcium or is it sodium or is it uh, is it na um, uh, magnesium yeah. profile of the water? Because actually, as you all very often say, it's, it's these are the minerals that makes the taste of uh, mineral water. Uh, yeah, so we want to like highlight that each mineral plays its own significant role when it comes to how it interacts with the wine. So. Yes, as Peter said. And then, yeah, we have the collection and Mamino number two is, as you said, is more full-bodied. It's for white, full-bodied white wines, uh, like Oak Chardonnay, for example. And then we have the two for red wines. Uh, number three is both for elegant and, uh, and um, red varied white, uh, red wines, like the Pinot Noir, or really tannin-rich red wines wine uh, and then for the really full-bodied and with a lot of power we have a Mivino number four with the highest minerality so they all have their own you know, taste <laughs> interesting con it's a really interesting concept and it's a cutting edge concept yeah. and i think for our viewers we have to make it uh, very clear so we call those waters curated waters because they are curated and some viewers will remember a couple of shows ago, we had Nevasan, the water from Germany, which is also curated water in a, in a different version. They mixing two springs together in a kind of a cuvee concept to create a new water. And in a very similar way, I think you guys have also curated the water. So it's not the water as it comes out of the spring anymore. It's not what we call a processed water, but it straddles this middle ground and we call it a, a cuvee. I just wanted to throw this in for our viewers to understand what we're talking about here. Yes. Thank yes. you, Michael. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. So, <laughs> so again, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> 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 to join your <laughs> What Riesling do you have? You have the Father Pea Riesling, I think. Is it the Christ? What what Riesling? Open number one. Yeah, so the Riesling is a dry style Riesling from Schaefer Frölli. Yeah. My region. He is one of the leading Riesling yeah, experts, I would say. Always super nice, um, razor sharp, uh, high acidity, uh, minerality. That's his focus. And I think um, this style of wine, which is really made for food and uh, um, hospitality, I think where this water will come into play the most in pairings with food, with wine, I think it's a really nice combination and I'm really looking forward. So I just had my first sip of Riesling, um, which is always amazing. Um, the first sip of Riesling a day. Keeps the, great. Keeps the doctor away, right? Riesling, <laughs> the best grape in the world. <laughs> So when, when I tasted the water first, it reminded me of, um, it was very, yeah, gentle, you know, it was very soft. It was, um, yeah, almost sweet, if you can say that, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
it remi reminded me of um, another brand which I drink on a, on a regular base, which also has a similar, uh, if we talk about TDS, very similar TDS level, and also goes in this little bit of sweetness to it. So now having drunk the, the wine, you get the fruit, you have the acidity and, and everything. And now I had the wine and I'm talking um, after drinking the water and I still feel the acidity on my palate. It's still, mm -hmm. I get the, the fruit component of the wine is still there. So, you know, sometimes when you have wine, you have the wine experience then you drink water and it completely washes everything away. Here right now, I have the wine experience, you have the water and you stay on that, on that wave, on that top level. So I think when you have the second glass of wine, you're right back into your full experience. And uh, it's very interesting. I like it a lot. And I think that is exactly what Stefan just mentioned. That is the key of pairing and, and bringing the same levels up. Because a lot of people still believe water should neutralize your palate. What mm -hmm. I'm not a believer in, I think that person who came up with that concept was an idiot for very uh, one clear reason. Because when you're going to a restaurant, you're going to the restaurant for the food. We all know that. You're not going to the restaurant just for the wine or for the service. The main focus is about food. So good food, here we go. Then the second level is the good wine. So he's having the selection of a great wine. You're trying to match the same flavors of the food to the wine. So this is a great concept. Why should I introduce now a water what brings down all the aromas completely to zero again? I don't want that. I just paid for the wine. I just paid for the food. I want a water who helps me to grow and helps me to stay the focus on these incredible flavors. And now we have this. And I agree totally with Stefan what you just said. You still have your acidic notes. You still have the fruit complexity of this amazing Riesling in your palate even after I drank number one. And that is exactly what we want. We want a water who complements the wine and helps me even the wine to grow on the palate and not the opposite of neutralizing, completely bring everything down and you have to start all over again. I think that is the concept of a great water to really like complement the wine. And hopefully that was obviously your vision, ladies. Yes, exactly. You we, describe it so well. <laughs> we couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in, in, in the beginning, we were more about, uh, we were thinking drinking water first and then tasting the wine and didn't want anything to, to change or interfere. But then when we did all this trying, we realized, yeah, but the wine is still there. So that was a part of when we, when we had our, all this tasting before, that it's not only about the water before, it's only, uh, also about the water after the wine. And as you say, getting this bridge between wine and the food, keeping that, not destroying it with some water, but still have this bridge of the flavors and connecting them. So that was that it was our 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 goal. Yeah, exactly. We want the water, as you say, Mark. You want it to be a part of the gastronomic equation. It should not just not just be a silent companion on the side. So yeah. and as you are in Hollywood, mm -hmm. uh, Los Angeles, we used to used to say that this is um, the wine have the main part, but we want the water to really have the um, what do you say? Oh. 
the <laughs> supporting Sorry. actor. The supporting <laughs> actor, yeah. The wine is the, uh, the lead character and the, the water should always be the supporting actor, not standing on the side and has nothing to say. So that is our take on water to wine. Yeah. That's a very good comparison, I think. I love the idea of the supporting actor and the main actor role. And I think we are all agreeing that, yes, wine is still the number one beverage what you would think about pairing in a restaurant especially here in california actually a lot of people doing now cocktails as well as a pairing in europe i think this is still not really catched on and i don't think in our history it will ever catch on because the idea is more like in europe you're going out to dinner you're having a great wine and water and then food experience and then you're going later on to a bar and there you're drinking cocktails but i don't think it will ever see that, that high-end restaurants will do just cocktails suddenly to their menus. I don't think this will be a big thing in Europe, but here it is a big thing. And for I think for one big reason, um, they have a shutdown hour at 2 a.m. here in Los Angeles, for example, you're not allowed to purchase alcohol anymore or sell alcohol. So therefore all bars, everything closed at 2 a.m. So the idea in Europe to go first eating and then going to a bar afterwards and then staying there till maybe 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning does not work here in California. So therefore, I think they're mixing it all together in one experience. But this is a great pairing. I like this. Yeah. I think this was very, very well done. Very well done. And it's quite interesting because in the beginning, uh, it works very well with champagne as well. Yeah. If you want to have a champagne dinner and you have champagne through all through the whole dinner, uh, we realized that Mivina number one is perfect for all the white champagnes. Yeah, and, and also a vintage wine because they are more sensible to uh, to the minerals. Yes. So let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Of course, I'm not drinking wine, and I'm going back 18 years to my experience when I was drinking, and unfortunately, I didn't pay enough attention to water back then. So. I like this also this supporting actor, main actor, supporting actor. And if I think back now, some of the other uh, Minvino numbers you have, they're sparkling. So how do you feel that the sparkling works with the supporting actor? Because if I would imagine drinking some, you know, big, bold red wine, I have one experience and then I have a sparkling wine with it. Wouldn't that sparkling, a sparkling water with it, wouldn't that sparkling water draw too much attention. How do you feel about this pairing uh, wine with uh, sparkling water? And where does it coming from? Has it maybe something to do with uh, San Pellegrino in Panna starting this whole concept and pushing very much their waters into the wine sommeliers, making them pair sparkling waters with red wine? How do both, you know, Jeanette and, and Pedro and Martin and Stefan, how do you feel about the, the pairings of wine and sparkling water yeah uh, if we start uh, for us it was more like when we started trying different types of uh, mineral water and also carbonated water we realized that if you have a really light carbonation effervescent uh, it has to be really light it can actually open up your taste buds and uh, you get the same texture as a full-bodied wine in the mouth, you get the same mouthfeel, and it also helps the minerals to prolong the taste of the wine. So, so that was really important for us. Yeah, and a really heavy carbonated, yeah. you know, it, it numbed the taste buds. So it's all about keeping the taste buds fresh, 
So you can enjoy the food, you can enjoy the wine, and you can enjoy the water as well. So a very light carbonation, we realize is perfect. Yeah, but, then, but then it's also like, depending on your taste, what you like. Mm. So that's our preferences. Mm. Yeah. But then we also realize that um, different minerals in water have um, interact differently with different levels of, with the same level of uh, carbonation. So we really have worked very hard. I think it, it was uh, <laughs> really hard to get the perfect carbonation and really get the, since we have different levels of minerality in the water and different structures of the minerality. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty complex. Yes. So we just tried the, the second water, which is now gently sparkling. Yeah. And um, I love gently sparkling water. They are like in general, great category in terms of water. And Martin also pointed out um, your temperature advice, you know, where it says surf, serving temperature is same as wine. I love it, it's great because Water is always served way too cold. Yeah. You know, also some white wines are always served way too cold. Red wines are served too warm. So temperature is a big um, point that a lot of people don't pay attention to. But uh, drinking the, the water right now, gently sparking, again, really nice. Uh, we don't have a Chardonnay or any of the lower acidity wines on the table right now, but we tried it with the Riesling. And since the Riesling has a lot of acidity, which we know from the very first try, now drinking the sparkling water, which the uh, carbonation is in fact also like a sort of acidity, um, the acidity adds up. So you get almost like the, the double feel of acidity. And therefore I can see why this water would pair better with lower acidity wines, like a um, Chardonnay, like a Semillon, like a Viognier, like the, the more French-style grapes, um, because you don't change the acidity feel on your palate, right? So the acidity on the first water in the Riesling was complemented really nicely. Now with the sparkling, it, it changes the acidity feel a little bit in with the Riesling, which has a lot of acidity. So I think with the Chardonnay and the lower acidity wines, it will go really well. Um, do you have a Chardonnay on the table there? Uh, you have one, well, we haven't opened up yet. Just yeah. classic white for Bourgogne, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What I think is pretty cool, and this is like what a lot of people always don't understand when they're saying, oh, it's a sparkling water. Okay, sparkling water. So they're thinking about like full sparkling, you can see the bubbles right away. When we opened that bottle and we poured it, yes, we saw the bubbles right away. But now when you look in the camera, this is the sparkling water. You don't see any bubbles whatsoever right now in the glass after the first bubbles emerge to the, to the thing. When you're drinking that, it's not really a sparkling water. You feel there's something going on in your palate, but it doesn't feel a carbonated sparkling water. When I would then have that in a blind tasting, I would not guess right away that this is a sparkling water. I would more have guessed, yes, maybe the sodium content is a little higher. It's a, there's a little bit more full body to it. But for me, on my palate right now, when it's like this, it's not really sparkling. It's very fascinating. And I, I love the idea because obviously we as sommeliers, Stefan obviously way more than I because I just capture all the different taste profiles of waters in my head. But Stefan captures both. He captures waters and he captures wine. 
I know some good backgrounds of wine as well, but I think like a nice like Burgundy Chardonnay or something could be incredible, amazing with this. Because you have this hint of effervescent. I even want to say a hint. It's not even like effervescent. Then you know, like a Hilden or something, gently sparkling, and you still feel the bubbles. This is a hint of sparkling. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of that. That's for me very, very interesting. I really love what you guys did there. It's fascinating. I can really see the pairing notes of a Chardonnay, a Semillon, or something like this, and that water. I think it would be remarkable. So good job there. Thank you. Thank you. And it's quite interesting because when we did the tasting in the beginning, a lot of people say, no, I don't like sparkling water. I want the water still. And then we gave them uh, our waters and they say, okay, I like, this is the kind of sparkling water I like because it was, uh, it's a kind sparkling. It's, it's a kind to mouth. It's not aggressive. So yes, to match, to harmonize with the wine. Yes. Lovely. Lovely. And, and then we have number three. Drink up, huh? Seven, huh? Drink up. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's your Pinot Noir. <laughs> this bucket, guys. So, um, on purpose. On purpose, <laughs> what Stefan is saying. So we have to finish the glasses, but um, sorry, Michael, here's still my Riesling. So I'm going to cheers now with the Riesling <laughs> in our water podcast. It's, it's nice to... Be invited here with Stefan in your beautiful cellar, and I think I'm gonna spend the whole day here because it's gonna be great. I have to work tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., so I still have a little time. Obviously, my wife will be very concerning when I'm not showing up tonight at home, but I think she has already a feeling why I might be me, so it's gonna be great. Cheers. You will feel good, you will feel good tomorrow because you had a water after each glass of wine, so. Great. <laughs> That's a great thing to be a water sommelier. I never have a hangover. Because I know how to fight the hangover. And it's you, you just said it. The key is hydration in a hangover. And it's literally like one glass of wine to one glass of water. That ratio is always great. And then I think like, especially when I'm going then right before I'm going to bed, I drink something extremely high in minerality, like an extremely high TDS water to really replenish me a lot of minerals right away. And next day you're totally fine and you're ready for your bloody Mary. So it's great. Okay. Is this Mavinia 3 already? Yeah. Look, I already had two glasses of Riesling, not even know which water I have in my glass. So, <laughs> we have now three. So now we're getting more like in the reddish category. And I wanted to showcase this in the camera as well. So we have number two. So this was this, and you see the label, and you see the cap. By the way, great idea that the cap has the different color schemes as well. Because a lot of restaurants, have their water in shelves and they just see the top of it. They don't see the label, they just see the top of the bottles. And it's great that you're right away telling the consumer which Mean Vino we're talking about. So very, very good thinking there. So on the comparison, Mean Vino number three, you see it's like more reddish color and you see up here on the top as well, it goes more like in a reddish color sheet. <laughs> so the colors playing a very, very big impact. And when you see the glasses, obviously, we have as well the same color now, Riesling, this beautiful, nice, almost like slightly golden greenish color. And now we have an incredible good Pinot Noir in our glass. So obviously now it goes back to Stefan, we're going to the Pfalz region. What are we drinking wine-wise? So we are drinking a great Pinot Noir from the Pfalz region, which is in the um, southwestern part or western part of Germany, um, west of Frankfurt. 
And here, uh, Ray Pauls um, from the Pfalz. He is uh, an organic biodynamic wine producer. Um, produces beautiful um, Pinot grapes, Pinot Noir, Pinot uh, Blanc, Pinot Gris, but also Riesling, dry Riesling. And um, with the Pfalz, which is, a friend of mine said, it's always, it's like the same dirt as Burgundy. You know, it's just divided by a political border, but the dirt is the same. So we have a shell limestone here, beautiful Pinot Noir 2015. So it uh, has a little bit of age on it, but, you know, drink the wine not too early. Don't drink the wine too young. And 2015, it's beautiful. Um, drinking the wine, it's um, a beautiful Pinot Noir, has still great acidity, has um, medium uh, tannins for a Pinot Noir, beautiful fruit bouquet. And with the water, uh, we have again like a gentle sparkling here. We, well, I feel a little bit more minerality. It feels a little bit more, you have a little bit more mouse feel on your palate. Yeah, it's like um, whole milk versus skim milk, this kind of like mouse feel, right? And drinking the water after the wine and the wine after the water, what I for myself experience on the palate is that the water takes care a little bit of the um, tannins a little bit. So it, it removes that, that tannin feeling. Tannins are that little rough, dry, astringent feeling on your palate. But again, it leaves the fruit and also the uh, acidity of the wine on your palate. So again, you have that, that very gentle wave where you have wine, water, wine, where it's not a back and forth. It's more like a harmonic experience and um, even the, the bubbles help to take care of the, the uh, um, red wine uh, tannin experience a little bit and but again leave the fruit you know so uh, it's um, it's a really nice um, yeah complement to each other for me it's uh, like I'm drinking like Stefan is talking now I'm drinking all the time so this is great as a water somebody you should drink you should hydrate obviously um, I'm pairing the whole time and you saw like Stefan talking me drinking in the video what Stefan just said is really happening so I had the Pinot then I was drinking in vino number three and I looked at the red wine and I still had the red wine feeling complexity everything's still in my palate and again, it's the complement now of the water. And that is what the key is. It's almost like decanting your red wine sometimes to getting slightly rid of the tannins. This is what this water does now. So without decanting, you're just pouring that red wine into your glass. The water actually helps to grow the aromas and to grow the incredible fruit complexity of this wine in your palate. And that is exactly what a great water should do. It shot no go and now it's like the supporting actor. That's the reason they are getting sometimes an Oscar as well, because they're supporting the main character and his role and forming their character, the main character in a role, forming it to achieve the, the goal of this incredible, amazing main character. And that is what a supporting actor does. He's not focusing completely on himself. He's focusing on his role, but brings the attention more and more to the main character. And that is exactly what we're seeing right here, right now. So very, very interesting. Very, very good. So here we go. And that's what sometimes happens. I should have put myself in flight mode. Obviously, I didn't do it. But now I will do it. Typical Martin Riese, who had already two glasses of red wine. Um, here we go.
back to business, back to wine and water. Michael, I feel you look, you look like a little dehydrating over there. <laughs> what is going on? I'm enjoying this because I can see how, how happy the conversations are getting by, by the minute. So that's, that's really nice to see. Um, I just want to mention, so you guys are right now very much focused on having four different waters with the wines and that's the main purpose. But when I was in Stockholm, we had um, a chef's dinner, multi-course chef dinner, many different courses, very local food. And because I wasn't drinking wine, I was matching the Minvino different numbers to the food. And so we should also not overlook that the same concept you have here with the waters matching with wine. We could have another show where we try to find some very good food matches in a restaurant that work with the water. And suddenly waters can also give you a different experiences with the food in the same way they can give you with wine. So you don't have to have maybe different waters from different sources. You can have one water from Minvino. You have suddenly four different waters that can go from a shellfish food to some, some food to, to a steak or something along the lines of uh, white wine to red wine matches. So I think that's another concept for Minvino that it also matches extremely nicely with food and can add to an experience. I just wanted to, while I'm still here, um, I want to ask Stefan a question. Um, a couple of years ago, I read there was a trend with wine sommeliers. If you have a really big, bold red wine with a very high alcohol, that they put some water into the wine to damper down the, the alcohol and open up the wine. Is this something that's still done or was this just kind of a, a one-year freak show? Well, I, I hope it only was uh, a one-year freak show um, because if you enjoy the wine as the winemaker made it, then you should leave it as is, right? If the wine has too much alcohol for you, then it's maybe not your wine. Go to a different winemaker, go to a different... It's like having a high minerality water and adding tap water to it because it's too salty, right? So... Um, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I like this guy right next to me. <laughs> so I think um, I'm glad it was only a one-year trend. Um, this trend never came to me. Uh, I, I have not really heard about it. What I've heard about is uh, people putting ice cubes in their Chardonnay. But I don't think these people are drinking a Chardonnay for the wine experience, more for the getting booze. But um, one thing, if you do have the hint of maybe a wine has a, um, a cork uh, taste, which is um, um, yeah, an, an arrow in the winemaking or in the, in the cork itself, which tints the wine and has a cork taste to it, and you're not sure, then adding a little bit of water and smelling it, that will elevate that smell of that cork. So there's a, a method to detect the cork a little bit stronger than without that's the only only time I would put a little bit of water into my wine if the wine has cork or not, and I'm not sure. Other than that, I drink the wine as is, and if the wine has too much alcohol, then um, and I don't like it, then I won't drink the wine again. Again, yeah. So, but I love what you just said about cork and screw taps, and I think a lot of consumers still getting confused a little bit when when they see something like oh look at this, this has to be a cheap wine because they just opened the bottle like that. And obviously I see on Monvino number one, two, three, and four, you have screw caps as well. So the same 
what the wine producer right here has. Stefan, maybe you want to talk and debug a little bit the claims about mm -hmm. it's a cheap wine because it has a school cap opening? Yeah, I mean, there is some truth to it in 20 years ago, you know, and maybe even nowadays, but screw cap is cheaper in terms compared to a cork in terms of actual cost. But by end of day, um, the cork is a natural product from, from the cork uh, oak tree in, in Portugal and in Spain, wherever they get it from. But those cork trees, which where the cork comes from, it's a natural product. It takes years and years to, to grow and to get the cork out of it. And they have a lot of wildfires. They have a lot of problems with their cork tint from, from the actual cork. So there's a lot of producers starting to, to go away from the natural cork because it's not so available anymore. It becomes more and more expensive. And when you put a lot of work and effort in your philosophy into a wine work a whole year to produce a bottle of wine and then because of a natural product where you don't have the control over because you cannot detect the, the cork uh, when you get it um, and then 10% or 5% or only if it's 1% and that 1% that one consumer out of 100 has a bottle of wine which has that cork taste and says this winemaker doesn't make good wine because maybe he doesn't understand that it's the cork who tinted the wine and not the winemaker, you lost, you lost a consumer. You, maybe it's a consumer in a restaurant who will then also never go again into that restaurant because, oh, they, they sell bad wine. And, you know, so it's a, it's a balancing act. You know, there are still a lot of producers who use natural cork, but on the, even cheap wine has cork, but it's synthetic. It's a, it's a plastic cork, you know, just to give the feel of, that's, uh, yeah, higher, higher value of the wine. But I think by end of day, it is the product what matters in the bottle. And regardless of cork or screw cap, regardless of somebody giving a hundred points to a wine or not, regardless of what other people say or not, it is your personal taste. It is your personal experience. And if you had a wine which was amazing, keep drinking it, you know, and if it's a, a cheaper wine or a more expensive wine, by end of day, it's what's in the bottle. And if you as a person like it, and that's what it's all about. And that's why people like Martin, myself, or you guys are out there to show people that there are more than what they know maybe right now and guide them in the right direction and create a new experience. Just imagine a guest coming to a restaurant and having that Riesling with that water, they will they will be mind blown. They will talk to all their friends about it. They will, you know, months later, they will talk about, can you imagine I went to that one restaurant and they served me a wine with the matching water, amazing. You know, I mean, it's all about creating experience and that's what we are all out to, to find, you know, to create the experience for the consumer basically. To piggyback on you, Stefan, I love that you just said that there is no best wine or there is no best that. And it doesn't matter if a wine has 100 points and yes, maybe some professional people will say this is the best wine ever produced. In the end, of the, it's all about the consumer. A good sommelier, what you just said, is here to help to find the right wine for you, not for somebody else. 
So that is the same with water. My job as a water sommelier is not just tell you, oh my God, this brand is the best brand ever. And I'm always saying because literally like every second question I'm receiving on my social media channel is, so Martin, what is the best water on this planet? And my response is always, there is no, there is no best. The best water for you is, first of all, it needs to come from a natural cooling source. I think we are all agreeing on that. We don't want to drink anything processed. So you could create a wine in a lab pretty much these days, like all the different chemical flavors putting together, selling it in a plastic bag. Nobody would say that's wine. That's just something created, whatever that is. It's the same for me with water. Water should come from a natural cooling source. Maybe it's been slightly altered, what you guys are doing. I think I love the concept of a winemaking idea. A good winemaker creates, has an amazing grapes from Mother Nature, takes them to themselves and does this magic a little bit, and then produces an incredible wine. So that's the same concept with water. A good water should come from Mother Nature. And then it really depends on your preferences. Some people will say, I love sparkling water with the high TDS. Some people will say, no, I don't like bubbles at all. I want a very, very still water with very tiny minerality. It really depends on your personal preference, what you like. And the best water on the planet is the water you will like the most when you will drink a lot of it. Because the more hydrated we are, the better our bodies are off to it. So that is actually the key what we're doing as sommeliers in general. Obviously, Stefan, again, he's very efficient, very German today. He already pulls uh, bottle number four now for us. So what do we have in number four? Number four is the most uh, highest uh, mineral, minerals, and it's for full-bodied red wines, and your Amer American uh, caps, for examples, like this one, and also really heavy Italian wines, for example, and heavy... So when you don't have too much uh, tannins, but you have really depth and really, really fruitful wines. Dark fruit. Dark fruits, yes. So because you didn't hear something for the last five seconds, it's not that your media player suddenly shut down. It's because wine sommeliers and water sommeliers like to drink and don't like to talk. So that was the classic example right now why nothing was been said in the last four or five seconds because we were all tasting. So, um, Michael, you, you're watching us the whole time now and you don't, you don't drink, um, but you don't have water with you today as well. What do you feel as a consumer like from, from your anger right now? You're seeing us watching, uh, talking about wine and water. What is your aspect from this? Because you're coming from a very well wine background. I know this. You told me and you even showed me the incredible amazing menus from Patina Restaurant on Melrose Avenue where you went to this incredible amazing wine dinners what they did. When I would show this Stefan he would go go nuts on me what you actually had in your palate already. So Michael get get back a little bit to your history of wine. So why were you always interested in wine? What was the key for you why wine was so interesting for you? And why is suddenly water so interesting? Is there something on the same level for you now? It's, it's on the same level. You know, when you're young, your main interest in wine is getting drunk. Then, of course, you realize if you buy a bottle of vodka and put it in the freezer, it works much faster and you don't have to spend so much money on, on, on the wine. 
but then it grows on you and it grows exactly what I'm seeing. I'm seeing Martin and Stefan, I seeing you guys there and I'm seeing you engaging this beautiful engagement. And I saw the same thing when we did our water tasting in, in Stockholm with the food and water pairings. And you think that in a restaurant, you need the wine, you need the alcohol to get the party going, to get people engaged. And it's not true. At the end of the, of the evening in Stockholm, the room had the very same feeling. Everyone was happy from the food. They talked about the water. If you would have walked in from outside, you would have thought it's a classic restaurant and people were drinking wine with their meals. But during the whole meal, there was no wine drunk. So no one was drunk. This was just with water. So for me, what I see here is this beautiful engagement that we already know about wine, that you can extend that to water. And what I'm, I don't get, and Martin, I know you have the same feeling, why are restaurants so stupid? Why are restaurants so stupid not to pick up on this trend, make significant revenue gains? As Martin has shown, this water can be a revenue center for restaurants. And what are restaurants doing? They buy San Pellegrino, they buy Pana because it's 10 cents cheaper than a real water that you can get. So they're good waters, but they're boring. It's like drinking red or wine as being your only choice. So maybe Stefan, Martin, why do you think restaurants are so stupid? Are they so steeped in the past? Why are they not seeing the trend? And why do they not want to make more money and giving their guests what Stefan said, a new experience? They will be tweeting 10 times if they have a Riesling with that water and the restaurant gets more visibility. Why is that? It, it puzzles me. Any answers? I think that it's, on one side, I don't think it's really stupidity. I think it's on uh, the knowledge. I think every, like everybody I have met who participated in one of Martin's water tastings, who everybody who went there or 99% who went there, they're like, well, water is water and okay, nothing else to do this afternoon. I might as well go to the water tasting. But after the tasting, everybody was mind blown. Like, wow, how can water have such a different taste, impact on food, on wine as we experience right now? And I think it's the knowledge. And I think that you, Michael and Martin do an amazing job to go out and really take the heat from everybody as well, because everybody still thinks water is water, but you still continue and to really show people that there is more to just water, you know, and with products like the, the Mean Vino, what you created, it makes even more sense. And I think to have that, that eye-opening eye -opening experience and really educate the people left and right, education is the key. And, um, you know, it starts with, I don't know, I don't have a good example right now, but there, there are things out there which people have not tried before, you know, but because of education and like getting it more normal and more widespread, it, it became normal, you know? I mean, it is, I think it's the big part is education and really showing restaurateurs and sommeliers and I, I, I think a lot of sommeliers do understand the, the value of water, you know, um, but I think that the regular consumer who drinks tap water here in, in America on, on a daily basis, left and right with, you know, ice cubes and lemon and highly chlorinated 
for them, the water is just um, a product on the side. You know, it's the most consumed beverage on for a human person or for for any for any living uh, thing there. You know, and to get a little bit more value behind what you're drinking, you know, get a little bit more understanding on what you're drinking. And again, you guys do a great job to to eye open the purified water industry, eye opening the the mineral water industry that there's more to it than just, you know, H2O, there's minerality and all that. And and I think with the with the aspect of coming through the uh, hospitality with the pairing of water and wine again, it I think it's a very good approach for the regular consumer because if you just tell the consumer, well, there are different waters, yes, there are, uh, but if you say this water will really go with this wine, they, I think they are more open to like, okay, I will try that, you know, like uh, like unlocking the door almost through the wine avenue or through the through the food um, through the food road to really say this water goes really well with your with your wine or with your food, whatever it is, but really like um, have. The food, the wine, be the key to try different waters in hospitality, and it comes down to education by end of day. Yeah, yeah. we also think. Please, sorry, one, one quick answer. But isn't it the the goal of a restaurant to give clients new experiences? So why do we have to educate restaurants in what they should be doing? Isn't it the the goal of the of the chef to provide us with new experiences and, and go out there and discover new things. And they're doing this. They're discovering new herbs. They're discovering new vegetables and all those kind of things. But when when they come to water, they're completely blind. So it, it it's it's really it's, I think it's a very good point and a valid point and also a point where we actually see the the change of it because ten years ago, twenty years ago, the chef, as good as he was, was always the chef in the background there was no nowadays chefs are superstars they are the chef in his restaurant before it was the restaurant and there's a guy who can cook really good stuff right that the mindset has changed and i think that's one of the examples where we can catch up on water where now still it's water is in the background but if we can get that same mentality of the water becomes the supporting actor, you know, and not just um, a guy in the background kind of. Um, no credentials, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and restaurants yeah. are, by end of day, you know, yes, they want to create the best experience, but right now I think it's not their, not their focus and I don't think they understand or, or a lot of people don't understand the, the difference in water. I think it has That's something to do with, and, and, I completely agree what you're saying, Stefan, and Michael as well. It has something to do with education. It's all about the learning process, and water has been overseen, especially in this country, or always has been overseen. It never been, like Europe at least had always the idea of, oh yeah, there's more to water than we're all thinking, because we all know the benefits of water from a health perspective, from a treatment, I'm going to the spa or bath town. So they, there was a connection history in Europe between the different waters, that water had an impact on your body somehow. But here in America, it was always about hydration. So for them, they never thought about water as a element of it can change actually. It would give you a benefit 
besides hydration, obviously, on our taste profile. And let's face it, not, there's nobody educated when it comes to water. Like everything is surrounded about wine, 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 wine. Then it goes to cocktails, 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 cocktails. But there's nothing been done when it comes to water. Because still 99% of the population in America thinks it's all the same. They think it's H2O. They don't even think that there might be minerals in there who can affect, and what is clearly like when you think about it from a logical standpoint, you're like, okay, when a water has a, has, has a suddenly 1,000 milligrams of sodium in it versus a water who has 5 milligrams of sodium on it, obviously it will taste differently. And obviously it will have an impact on your different wines. And maybe when you, when you saw Stefan talking, the people who watched me, I was going from number four, I was drinking this and thinking about the Pinot and I was thinking like, that's not the right fit right here. Something mm -hmm. happened. So I went back to number three and now I have my perfect pairing again because I want the perfect pairing in my palate right now. So I totally agree. Number four, it's too intense. The carbonation level seems to be a little bit more intense as well. So it's not the right fit right now for our Pinot, what we have in our glass. We don't have a cap open. Even when in California, it's almost like, almost like a blasphemy to not drinking a Cabernet, to be in California and drink a German Pinot. But that is the power of water. And we're talking about Minvino, who has number one, two, three, and four. And I think by saying as a water sommelier, wait a minute, number four is actually really not the right fit right now for my Pinot, because number three is the better fit. And it's actually true because I went back now and I feel like this is great. I love this. This even gives you more credibility right now as you as a company, because yes, you designed something so different. Even with small little difference TDS number, we're not talking about a water from 5 TDS to 5,000 TDS. We're talking about 100 to 400. So we're in a very close area here and still has so much impact. And on the other side, why people sometimes, and Michael, you know this, when people say, oh God, the water sommelier, these people are crazy. I take this as a huge compliment. Because it's always in history, the people who are a little bit crazier, who coming up with new ideas, it's the same with you, with, with Minvino, for sure, a lot of people said, this is nuts. That it's water, it's coming from the same source. Come on, don't, don't tell me it's different. You guys are nuts. Take it as the biggest compliment you can achieve, because it's always the people who thinking out of the box, who will involve in this, on this planet and will move on in society. The people, we all lived on the tree at one point with people who thought maybe there's more, maybe we could build a house on the grounds. What for sure been laughed out for many, many years ago. For sure they burned them in the 1500s. Um, the people who said like something like the, they, the uh, earth is not round. Uh, the earth is actually flat and it's, it needs to be round. For sure they said like, yeah, right. Uh, it looks flat to me. You're a witch now. So, and they've been burned. So it's the same concept. It's like, it's always the people who are a little crazy or a little bit out of the box thinking are actually the people who are onto something. That's my strongest belief. So when people say to me, Martin, you're crazy. I say, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate the compliment. That is the thing you should be. Excellent. I think one of the reasons why we, we could come up with this uh, concept is because we didn't start with a, from a water source. 
we started with some a lot of insight about about water and wine and what people thinking so uh, we are not um what do you say uh, we, we are not uh, um, stick to one source we can find these source a lot of source that we can work with <laughs> let me ask yeah. you a question so it's an interesting yeah. because it also means you can expand to different countries and you don't have to use one particular source you could use in the u.s a different water source but yeah. we talked about this crazy and engaging with restaurants so give us some some feedbacks when you go to restaurants tell us the story where people really liked it and you must have a story where people said this is totally crazy so what are your experiences in telling the story you're telling to restaurants the yeah. best the best person to meet is the person that says like okay what we are we are at wine tastings and then we are the weird ones standing with waters <laughs> on a wine tasting and they coming up what water what is this at first they ask us wow have you created a white wine <laughs> because we have the same shape of the bottle yes. <laughs> and then they come up and we say okay let, let's try let try go pick the favorite wine that you tasted at this wine tasting come back with that one and you taste it against our water and then will you taste it with the tap water here in sweden or another mineral in another country uh and they said they always like what i didn't see that coming this was amazing so always getting people there the we always get this feedback and i think we used to say 99 percent understand and really feels the difference and also understand the concept and i think we were talking about uh, how to make it more easy in the restaurants this is actually some kind of mini water menu you have a mini water menu and we have tried to make it very logical it's very like two for wine white wines two for red wines light white wine more heavy full-bodied white wines light red wines and more full-bodied red wines so it's it's quite easy so if you know your wines it's quite easy to come back uh, and it's all it's coming also from a distribution per, uh, perspective everything is sold together you don't have to go to one distributors to pick things and to from another so i think also you have to make it easy for the restaurants they are very stressful um uh, in in restaurants you know that michael hey, martin you know how 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 much it is to do in a restaurant or in, in a hotel um and you have so little time to educate the people that works there because they are working there to serve your customers but uh, this is maybe a way to make it a bit bit easier to getting the knowledge of water and in the first step then can take the step to an even more extended water menu yeah but i also think it's a lot about education as you talked about before uh, because when it started to become a sommelier you don't talk about water in that perspective you just talk about water when it comes to to beer or to sake to tea and coffee so now in Sweden, actually, we started to educate the sommeliers here um, at the schools now, uh, starting a water class, uh, which is a lot of fun. It's not just about Nivino. I also want to learn uh, that it's so many different interesting waters from all around the wo world and about different sources. And it, the funny thing is everyone is like, wow, this is so amazing. I could, could imagine that water could have that much taste. So I think it's a lot about education.
so people and trying is believing. As yeah, say. Sommelier, you you don't be you're not becoming a sommelier if you're not curious. You have to be have a curious mind and a curious taste buds to like explore a world a lot of. Uh, flavors, so uh, it, it's so easy to talk to some years or some year students. Yeah, students are the best because they are still curious yeah. and they want to learn new things. So I think that's where you have to start. You have to get into the sommelier schools um, and talk about water in general and do tastings because as, when you start tasting, you realize, wow, water is amazing. It, it can be so much more. And not just water to wine, it can be to do, as I talked about before, cocktails to coffee, on the side to the beer and everything. It all depends on location. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. But, you know, as you know, and you graduated from the Fine Water Academy, Martin and I, we educating uh, water sommeliers around the world. And when we started, we thought we would have 50 to 60% of our students would be wine sommeliers. A wine sommelier would like to learn a little bit more. And I have to say, you know, we have very few, we have one or two, and you're one of them, wine sommeliers that went into, also added the, the water sommelier. So why is this resistance? And I call it resistance because it's way beyond chance because the wine sommelier is in front of the customer. He deals exactly with those issues. Why is there such a resistance? And that's my question to Stefan. Why do you think is there such a resistance from wine sommeliers to the water sommeliers. Is this not invented here kind of syndrome? You know, we haven't invented the water sommelier thing, so we're not going to adopt anyone else doing this. What, why is this? Any idea? I think it's, um, on one side, I don't think the word is out there as much. You know, like if you, if you look on, I don't know, Netflix or whatever, you have 10 different movies, series about wine, wine sommeliers, winemakers, and the whole concept. The same with food and chefs and cooking, you know, you have all those traveling, uh, I taste everything kind of guys. You have the, the, the chefs on TV, you have the Gordon Ramsay's, you know, with the says whatever he thinks kind of like um, attitude, which a lot of people like when somebody gets yelled at. And but water is <laughs> water still has that it's not out there, you know, it's not which boils down to the education. You know, I think if you make a show where let's say Martin would go travel to all the sources around the world and you put it up like uh, put, uh what's his name, the chef. Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain, exactly. <laughs> I almost said Tony Bourdain, but Anthony Bourdain. Um, you know, when you get that interest of people where they're like, wow, there's more to water than I thought, then you get that I'm hungry for more knowledge. And that hunger is not there yet in a lot of wine sommeliers. And I think exposure, knowledge, and the product are three key things which wine sommeliers everybody needs you know and if those three things come together like I, i'm sure um you had the same experience you know first there was wine and food but then you went wait there's there's water water has different tastes i want to learn more wow there is more to it now i want to create more and you know it's that whole process you know i mean if you don't know then you don't know Right. That's a very good point. Very good point. And it's a very good idea. Martin, you should think about doing a TV show. Yeah. I told you, 
Sign the NDA, Michael. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> no, we are, we are, and I think everybody knows we're working, we're working very hard on it to like, obviously due to the Netflix, lads, Netflix experience with me on, Efren, on the Zac Efron show, there's a lot of buzz surrounding now suddenly water. We have tons of people now going on Instagram. For sure, a lot of your listeners who like listening to us and seeing us saw me and, and the whole concept of the water industry suddenly through the show and they're open-minded now. Obviously, we want to take this to the next level. Hopefully, there will be a show where for sure Michael, Stefan will be for sure a part of this. A lot of other people, hopefully Minvino will be coming maybe to you to Stockholm. We want to showcase how you guys are doing it. So I think this is a great thing. But I think like, let's say it, I have so much more to drink here. We need to wrap up because Stefan and myself, Stefan always says like, hey, when we're opening a bottle of wine, it's not good to put it back into the refrigerator. So we need to finish that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's my duty, my pleasure. Let's say it like that. Like we have four bottles of water in front of us plus two bottles of wine. Um, I'm surrounded by a lot of wines and maybe we're going to open something else. So we'll, we'll see what what this Tuesday will bring us where we're taping today. One more last question for you. One more thing, Minbino. So when people are really interested in you and your, and your water, where can they get that? That's always the biggest, toughest question, I think, these days. Where can yeah. people get these amazing waters? In Sweden, you can get it uh, at restaurants and in on our web shop. And we soon is going to show up in USA as well. Uh, but our, we were supposed to launch in France, uh, but at the premiere week in Bordeaux. But uh, we, it was uh, sadly <laughs> due to COVID, we it was it stopped, and they didn't have any premiere weeks. So we're still waiting for France and the rest of Europe to get it. But we started small now in France yes. with some restaurants. Uh, because I think it's a really interesting market as well. Uh, they have so many different, they're so used to drinking mineral water uh, compared to Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're working with some good sommeliers over there. That's also really curious. I think it's a really good idea. And his ab ambition is to have the same kind of master classes at wine, for example, wine expo, as uh, they have with Riedel glasses, for example. And because he feels that this has the same um, impacts the wine in the same way absolutely i can definitely see that so thank you very much guys you know very happy to see you again here and stay safe yeah thank um, you stay safe too and hopefully <laughs> to Texas. thank you too much to sweden it was incredible and amazing to to see everybody yeah, she, she, yeah, she I'm in the right country. Oh my god, I just like blind. It's like, are you in the right country? We also have some bottles here, too. <laughs> <laughs> you can a couple of The Riesling and the Pinot already pays attention to my brain, obviously. So he's out of training. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll drink too much water. But we all know, everybody, you know what I'm always saying to the end of the podcast be thirsty, stay thirsty, drink good water, be hydrated. Cheers. And have good wine as well. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Yeah. Yeah.